Hello, and welcome to A Fine Balance, the podcast that explores work-life balance choices, one story at a time. This is a podcast about work, life, and the pursuit of balance, exploring the reasons behind the choices that individuals make when balancing work with everything else in their lives. Understanding how we work and why we prioritise some things over others can help make sense of work-life balance choices. This podcast seeks to showcase the diverse ways that people flex work around life and life around work, to learn from one another and celebrate our differences. I'm your host, Dahlia Wittenberg, creator of the blog A Fine Balance. In each podcast, I'll be inviting my guests to put a figure on their current work-to-life ratio. Of course, quantifying something this multifaceted isn't a science, but it's a good place to start for getting to the heart of their story. My guest today is Laurie McPherson, a career coach and mentor who owns her own business, The Grow Consultancy, advising people on career choices and job applications. Before becoming self-employed, Laurie worked for many years in the retail sector and also travelled all over the world working as a holiday rep and on cruises. I first met Laurie when I interviewed her to feature on a Fine Balance the blog. Fiercely passionate about her career and her rights to claim her time, both during and outside working hours, her interview packed a punch. She kept me on my toes, speaking at a rate of knots in her strong Glaswegian accent, assertive, self-assured and protective of her vulnerability, yet at the same time honest, empathic and funny. Her moving account of being bullied at school provided some context for the origins of her bulletproof attitude and her staunch determination to stand up for herself. Her defiance to withstand the criticism of others has sustained her throughout her personal life and has played a significant part in her ability to establish a healthy work-life balance. COVID threw a spanner in the works for Laurie's work and social life. Living on her own and with her freelance work drying up, she decided to apply for a job in her local Tesco store. I prefer to have something to get out of bed for in the morning, she told me, which pretty much sums up her drive and work ethic. In featuring on a fine balance, Laurie was keen to impress her, her perspective of finding balance as a single woman with no children. It's not just working parents that have to worry about their work-life balance, Laurie argues, a point that she not just preaches but practices too, through her self-imposed ground rules as well as her business practices. She advocates that single people have a right to feel proud about prioritising their life over work. Contrary to previous guests on this podcast, Laurie claims that she doesn't have a people-pleasing bone in her body and her philosophy is to do what suits me, backed up with the mantra, just do it. So far, that has served her well in finding happiness in her career and her life outside of work too. I'm single by choice and child-free by choice, she told me straight off, adding, that doesn't mean I want work to be my only thing. Of her balance, Laurie says she feels that she has finally reached her optimum. I've got a lovely life, I love my work and I love what I do, she says. And she preoccupies herself these days with inspiring future generations of employees and business owners that a healthy work-life balance can be attained without being detrimental to an organisation's operations and bottom line. This isn't just her job. An energetic firecracker, Laurie is evangelical about setting boundaries at work and she leads by example. Laurie McPherson, welcome to A Fine Balance, the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. I'm so pleased to speak to you again. Oh, thank you. And before we delve into your story, um, I'd like to just uh, reflect a bit on the work-life work-to-life ratio that you set when we when we first met can you tell us what it was and why 
can't remember. <laughs> well, that's lucky because I've got it in front of me. <laughs> you said it was work was 60 to a ratio of 40 life. So 60 to 40 was your ratio. Yeah. Why, why do you think you, you kind of gave it that figure? Yeah, because, yeah, I, I do, as a, as a business owner, sometimes work in the evenings but uh, although I'll tell you that I don't what I mean by that is I don't have the laptop on after a set time and that is absolutely set in stone and I do take time when I want to but you know if I get an inquiry in and I happen to be watching tv I, I generally do answer just because I want to keep business flowing and going so yeah 60 40 sounds probably about right yeah so you you're, you're talking about these ground rules already Yes. What, what, can you describe what your ground rules are? Do you have so, them written up on your wall or is it just kind of imprinted on your brain? It's imprinted on my brain. <laughs> yeah, I basically, yeah, and, and I'm, again, I'm not always rigid five o'clock, but once the laptop is off, it's off, you know, and, and, and that's it. I don't work at the weekends, except I have to say a little bit in December, which is my always my busiest month um, because I'm doing other things at the weekend and I don't work in the evenings. Again, I'm doing other things. And if that is going out, great. If that's watching TV, also great. Or just cooking or catching up with um, a podcast or whatever. But I'm not working because I, I think it's so easy to get sucked in, especially when you don't have other things to take over your time. Um, I live alone and I could easily work all the time because I love what I do, but it's not good and it's not healthy. So I don't. I find I find that interesting that you're saying like as much as you love it, it's not healthy to keep doing it, even if there's no mad pressure on you to to, you know, down tools. If you love what you do, what what's the harm in in working those extra hours in your mind yeah it's just not it, it just it it just takes away from other things you know to being able to have time out I'm just a, a firm advocate that we're not on this planet to work all the time even if it's for ourselves and for our own gain I think it's good to have a bit of a balance and what what's your your experience been with that have you ever before you set these ground rules or did you ever work without these ground rules have you ever experienced the other way of doing it oh god yeah during the pandemic because I had nothing else I could do I worked all the time and had the laptop out every night and I, you know it wasn't it wasn't good I wasn't actually achieving any more I made more money last year with these rules in place considerably really? not not quite double but not that far off it um, than I did in, during the pandemic, you know, sitting on the laptop night after night because... Really? Yeah, for, for me, there was nothing else to do. And I know I could have... And I, I want to punch hard anyone who suggests this. I could have gone for a nice walk, but I hate stuff like that. And what I wanted <laughs> to be doing is socialising and seeing yeah. people and going to theatres and gigs and shows. So I didn't want to go for a nice walk. I've done quite enough of that, thanks. So, um, yeah. And if we got locked down again tomorrow, I will not be doing it next time, let me tell you. Um, so yeah I worked a lot and then last year I said no no more word of the year was balance and I decided I wasn't working out of out of hours so I don't word of the year is that another of your grand rules um no I just I quite like to have a word for the year I think the really? year before the year before it was persistent uh, or persisted which was lucky because that was pandemic year though I didn't know that <laughs> um then it was balance and this year it's thrive this year it's about not just surviving and um, thriving and encouraging my people, my 
my I'm working on an amazing um, couple of women returners programs at the minute. It's encouraging yeah. them to do it too. And mm. I can only do that if I, I have to walk the talk. So you're encouraging them to set a, a word for the year? No, I'm encouraging them to thrive. I'm encouraging thrive. them to, to okay. have a, you know, to not go for survival, but yeah. to go for better than that, you know, to, to aim higher because they naturally want to aim really low, apologise mm. all the time. Um, so our one rule in my room is no no saying sorry. <laughs> it's really hard. We do it all the time. Sorry, my yeah. internet's dropped out. That's not your fault. It's a really windy day. So we don't need yeah. to apologise. Um, there are very few things that we're allowed to apologise for. And that's not, you know, sorry, I missed a session. Yeah, that's OK. You know, it's time and all that. But mm-hmm. um, just being a human and having your dogs, animals, cats, kids come in is all. I'm in your house. Why would you have to apologise for that? Wow. Oh, I mean, I, I'm going to ask you a bit more about this later because I want to get back to that subject of people pleasing, which I think sort of links quite closely to this kind of apologetic mindset that you're referring to. But I, I'm just curious about this process of setting the, a word for the year. Um, like how how does that how do you review that as the year goes on and, and what kind of impact does that have on you maintaining your balance? Yeah, so I think it just is, is overarching. Like, is this helping me to have balance? Is this balanced? Is this, you know, and and I had, I, I followed, it was Alice Benham, um, who's a online coach, I guess you call her, I don't know what she calls herself, I can't remember right now, but she has a, um, a sort of a tool that I bought, which was like, it was about breaking things into specific areas, if you like. So for example, saying, right, I'm, I'm not, part of being balanced for me was about looking at where I show up so you know do I need to be running a Facebook group for example so I decided I wasn't getting balanced from that it wasn't generating enough revenue for the amount of time it took so I stopped it it just lets you review everything that you're doing am I going to the right networking am I getting things from it or is it actually just a time Mm. suck and it lets you review everything against your 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 core word was balance and then I, I can't remember all the things now it was last year but I set down some things that I want to be intentional I want to things to be planned I want to show up where it's going to get me the most return on my time so I, yeah, and I followed that. And this year's is all about thriving, um, and doing one, doing things I need to thrive, and you know, making sure the business keeps thriving. And um, my overarching goal for this year is to help 150 women find jobs that they love at the salaries they deserve. So to do that, I know that I have to do lots of things like this. That I have to do things to allow me to grow my audience and keep growing, like my email list, my audience on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, etc., in order that I can help those 150 women. Wow. So it's uh, it, it's really kind of, I think the word that, that jumps out to me here is just intentional. I suppose you set yourself that that goal at the beginning of the year or, you know, that word, that theme. And then when at any crossroads, when it comes to your work, as you go through the year, you've got something to to look back on and say, hang on a second. Does this meet with what I knew I wanted to get out of this year? Um, yeah. and, and how adaptable are you when things change? Yeah, I mean, very, I've had, you know, you have to be, you have to constantly be looking at what, what's working, is that still working, um, what what could I have done differently, um, what could I have done better, what would I not do again, and I'm constantly reflecting on, on that, but yeah, it's just, about, it's not about being rigid, because you can't in business, you have to keep moving, or, or things will um, things will quickly move on without you, but it's about being intentional about where you show up and where you spend your time. Yeah. 
it's really interesting because I think what I, I've come across a lot a lot of the time when I'm writing my blogs or, or talking to people about how they find their balance it comes about down to the same thing which is essentially being deliberate about your choices and recognizing that you do have a choice in the hours that you work or the job that you do I mean within reason I guess you know everyone has their limits to how much choice they have but being deliberate about your priorities actually can help you accept the choices that you've made or recognize them as choices and and then you know change them if necessary or accept them yeah exactly you know um I I choose to do certain things and then I can choose to review whether I'm going to keep doing them but it's about being intentional with your time because we all do have the same amount of hours in the day as Beyonce and it's about us making the most of that time as you know as best we can I'm not a faffer I don't I get loads done in a day I'm much more productive than probably most people I know but the downside of that is that I very much associate work with worth and I know that that's not good so I also have to stop you know turn off the laptop and go and do something else whatever that might be yeah that's really an interesting point actually because I think you're probably not alone in 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 feeling that unless you're working you know that that has kind of has more value however you want to judge that can you just explain a bit more what that feels like or how do you justify doing something which you know I don't know sitting on your sofa watching a program in the evening if you know if that doesn't feel as valuable or as worthwhile as the work that you've been doing in the day how do you reconcile that yeah that's an interesting one and I don't I don't really know why I'm able to but but I absolutely am and I'm I'm very anti the kind of hustle movement that's out there Dahlia where people you know hustle hustle hard you know you go on LinkedIn on a Saturday morning and someone's already you know climbed a mountain and all of this worthy stuff and I just laugh <laughs> and I, I've often screenshot it and say to my friends you know I've just ordered it's 10.55 so lunchtime at McDonald's I've just ordered a delivery also fine also a good person <laughs> you know you don't constantly have to be doing stuff I do a lot of stuff because I like what I do but I love what I do but we don't have to constantly be achieving to be worthwhile and I'm trying hard to teach my women that as well and model that that you don't you know we had the conversation with someone the other day um you don't she's doing all these courses and and part of it is just to justify that she's not working to her and other folks so um you know yeah I, I just think time out time to relax time to rest is so needed and this constant hustle hustle hard five o'clock in the morning miracle morning stuff not doing it and not and not ashamed and no guilt and the more people that can say you know I'm in my pajamas it's five o'clock I haven't even had a shower that that's also okay the better because we don't have to be up mountains to be a good person yeah I think that I mean it kind of comes back to the value that you place on things which everybody judges very personally and differently and I think that's sort of what I, I got to this at the beginning of my whole blogging journey I think like my first podcast uh, my first blog where I was sort of reflecting on that like at what point do you value something that isn't work but you know how do you like for me it was not working and looking after my children during the lockdown and kind of reconciling the value the difference in value between those two types of work um but how I don't for everybody like it, I mean that what you're describing wouldn't necessarily work for everybody 
what do you mean like having time to myself yeah and yeah, I you know I, switching I, off I yeah know. I laugh when I saw it on LinkedIn the other day someone asked how much time do you get to yourself and I was like mm, all of it um <laughs> but already, okay, yeah, that's not the norm um know that um you know it's all my own time it's all mine to do as I please with including my yeah. diary my work diary you know so this morning I, I was out at networking last night I knew I'd want to go out for a drink after it I, bu I booked this morning off um, on Thursday, I'm going to the Bali. So I'm going for lunch before it. So I've blocked that off because I offer links to my calendar, to clients to book in. So they book in whenever they like, which is great. But I also, it's blocked off. It means it's they can't book it. They don't know what I'm doing. You know, yeah. doing anything. Um, nor, nor am I ashamed or embarrassed or hiding it. I made it. I make it quite clear that I'm not available yeah. at that time. You know, but yeah, I, I get it. If you've got kids and all that, um, then you don't get so much time to yourself. But I do think we all need some time to ourselves mm. to recharge and so you clear definitions what fits into that work bucket and the life bucket then yeah and I'm you quite, kind of easy, yeah. quite easily split out those activities yeah, are there any gray areas there yeah networking like last night was a bit of a gray because it is after hours you know but mm. it's also fun and it's with nice people um did I make any new client connections no but I had a lovely time so I can kind of put that in my social right but if you like, um, and yeah, I sometimes I, I do color code my calendar. It's, it's easier for invoicing, but also it makes my okay. life easier. Um, and sometimes was that in? I'm trying to think. Was that in as a as a as a flamingo thing? No, it was in as a blue, <laughs> which is networking. It has its own color. Um, yeah. Sometimes flamingo is for things that are fun. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> so I had it in as a blue. Yeah, I know this makes me sound really rigid and really, and I'm so not. But um, yeah, it, it just makes no, life easier when you're rigid. busy. No, I don't think it sounds rigid. I think it sounds really organized. And, yeah, I am dead and really deliberate as well because yeah. you know you're you you're recognizing when it's time to switch off um I think I've I've interviewed there was um, the, the the interview that's coming to my mind is uh, the one I did on Ad, Adinola who said she just doesn't feel the need to switch off she would prefer to sort of multitask throughout her whole day her work her childcare, her, her business or everything um and then I asked her well, so when when do you switch off like when's your downtime she's like oh don't really need it like working for me is as much fun as anything so that's my downtime and and actually what you're describing sounds much more disciplined yeah I suppose there is sort of discipline to it it doesn't feel that way when you're you know rolling around on a Saturday afternoon watching hours <laughs> until you know last last weekend I didn't I, I literally left the house to go and get some um decongestant because I was feeling a bit snuffly and I lay under a blanket on Saturday all day long and watched hundreds of television it was delightful um and again you know I will talk about that and say you know I have spent a day doing absolutely nothing it was yeah. lovely yeah well I think I think it's really great to hear that actually because you're right I think very few people oh I don't know how many but you know people would be reluctant to necessarily call that out maybe yeah totally why why do you think that is oh, I, it's I just, just think like it's an unusual thing to hear I guess but why do you think that is yeah women in particular feel that they have been socialized from birth to believe that they have to spend all of their time rushing around in service to other people so you know saying that you take time for yourself is is quite shameful and your your mantra instead is to do just, suits me. just do it just do what suits you do it so yeah. you so how so how have you kind of dodged this socializing of womankind <laughs> that you're describing or just like that compulsion to serve and to apologize well how well, like how what's kind of influenced your your approach to that 
so that I suppose oh, I don't. That's a really great question. I don't know is the answer. Um, my mum's not a people pleaser. She does quite a lot of what suits her. Um, but she definitely admits herself that she did far too much worrying about other people when she was younger and wishes she hadn't bothered cleaning her house quite so vigorously and had done a bit more playing with us. She did tons of play with us, by the way, but just so that, you know, mm. because she felt that she had to, part, it's a class thing as well, and, and that's the C word that no one ever says. Um, it's definitely a class thing. Working class women have to keep their houses clean in case someone comes to take their kids. That's that's their thought. Um, you know, my more the more middle-class friends I have have the um the sturdier that's a, a Scottish word for you a, a dustier houses than 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 us because they don't have to care about <laughs> it because everyone knows that they've got the cash to keep everything happening anyway so it's fine but they have quite dusty houses um yeah that's a it's an old-fashioned working class thing that we have to keep certain things going but I don't know at what point I decided you know I just looked at it it just it didn't it just didn't appeal it just didn't look like fun that constant hamster wheel of having to do you know constantly rushing around after other folk who inevitably don't really appreciate it because they expect it and I watched other women do it and I thought oh god that doesn't look like much fun um I yeah. won't be tying myself in knots to do that. You know, I, won't, I wouldn't be tying myself in knots to do it for that kind of man, or I wouldn't be tying myself in knots for that ungrateful child. You know, so yeah, I don't know. And then in latter years, I've joined um, a movement called um, Upfront, which is run by the amazing Lauren Curry, OBE, who is all about changing confidence in women. And that was a course I bought last year, at the beginning of last year, and it has absolutely change so much for me she says you get to decide about everything basically you get to like Christmas time she wrote a to don't list you don't have to do send people cards you don't have you know because it's all just it's all made up you know and I'm not saying the meaning of Christmas but the actual doing of all the stuff I just see all these women harassed to death the first time I hosted Christmas Dahlia my mum was slightly livid because she hates cooking always has and she always made the traditional turkey she hates the faffery of the timing she always gets something wrong or forgets to take something out of the freezer and she just hates it she loves having us home and absolutely loves the, the conversation but she hates the actual faff so the first time I said I'm having it at mine I want you to come oh by the way I'm doing a buffet and she was like sorry what um like you can do that uh, yeah I can do whatever I want right. we're having a buffet um <laughs> and she loved it and she's like what a great idea why have I been yeah. tying myself in knots faffing about with a turkey for the last x amount of years but I think again it takes someone to say I'm not doing that for other folks yeah. to realize that they can you know you you don't have someone I remember talking about it and work and getting oh it's just a it's just a Sunday dinner which I've never cooked because I live alone and it's an enormous amount of faff for one person um not that I subscribe to the um, women are not worth cooking for school that we see on TV so we'll just have some cereal until I meet a man because that's misogynistic and nonsense but I don't do a, a Sunday dinner because it's a pure faff I love to go out for them um, but yeah I was like no you don't have to do that well, I mean, we to do any of it <laughs> when I when I interviewed Solly for the podcast she she talked about like her struggles in not saying yes to everything and I think I, I covered this in the interview with Sarah as well I think it's quite common actually with women that I've interviewed um that I don't know if it's the uh, something that it's difficult for them to say no because I think that's one thing that it that's like kind of the people pleasing thing of it's hard to say no but it's also tempting to say yes to things that you kind of want to do but then they are inevitably going to tie you into knots because you end up taking on so much and overwhelming yourself 
so where 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 do you kind of draw the line between doing what pleases you but also what you know is going to kind of tip you over the edge so for work my rule is you don't have to like it you just have to do it <laughs> which I don't mean I do stuff I don't you know I, I, I like I yeah. mean things like showing up on social media every day is a non-negotiable for me I don't have to wake up thinking whoopee I can't wait to go and write another LinkedIn post but I do have to do it because I know that that works but in yeah. my own life you know I I don't have to um I don't I don't feel I have to do whatever I don't kind of want to do yeah. um again you've really sort of why. like got that really clear distinction haven't you between yeah. your work and your life like when you're not working it's totally up to you if you don't want to send a Christmas card then you don't have to and it doesn't matter if that person would be upset or you know at all kind of bothered yeah I mean I'm assuming they're not waiting on my Christmas card darling let's be really honest and <laughs> um, you know and I got a few this year and I sent them all a lovely message saying thank you for your lovely card I'm you know which was yeah. it's it's enough yeah yeah, no, you're right. I think people do tend to to go a bit above and beyond, don't they? They're just in yes. wanting to do what they think other people will will like. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And so, do you think um, that that sort of the just do it mantra that kind of follows on from this kind of doing what suits you? Um, tell me a bit more about that because I I I really love that, and particularly the finger that you mentioned, kind of hovering over the send button and like just do it <laughs> just press send yeah I'm modeling that heavily to my women's turners right now it's, it's so funny so one of them was a translator right so she gets a I go on link she says I'm interested in translating I've no idea where to start haven't done it for a while um and I don't know what to do so I haven't done it in this country so yeah no problem I'll go and use my massive LinkedIn network and ask the question so I've got tons of responses including someone saying yeah I need you I need a translator like now so I went back to her and said hey I've got some work for you and she was like oh no I, I don't know how to how to price it and I don't know how to so I'll just say no right and I went mm -mm -mm. <laughs> no you'll say yes can you do it like can you physically do it like I can't because I can't speak the language could you do it? Yeah, I could do it. But I just, yeah, okay, so let's stop there. You could do it. So we say yes, and then we go and learn. There's nothing you can't find out within 10 minutes in a Facebook group. So pitch it low, treat it as practice, do the stuff. And then someone else today, oh, I'm a wee bit nervous about that. No. Again, go in as if you are already that thing. Just do it. Because those bold moves are how we move forward. And wow. and. You're not not do it just just sitting faffing, not working. And and when you can do it, if you can't do it, fine. And I'd say to them, please don't turn up over me with a scalpel. You know, don't pretend to be a doctor if you're not. But <laughs> most other things, if yeah. you can do it, it's just fear that's stopping you from doing it. And fear is 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 it's massive and it can be really paralyzing. But you do have a choice to just do it and use the you know what finger to press the button to send the email to, to to book the course to send someone a LinkedIn message asking for a curious conversation as the squiggly um lovely women call it you know you all of these things are out there I get 99% of my work by asking for it by spotting an opportunity and going after yeah. it not by sitting waiting for it to come to me that's not a thing you know um yeah so I think so that's that, that, that's that's what just do it is all about for me just do it and what's the worst that can happen did did you ever have a an experience that you can look back on now and think I wish I'd just done it probably not Dahlia because I kind of have you know 
yeah. I got on a plane at 20 with no no money, no knowledge, haven't ever been abroad in my life and went to be a holiday rep. So uh, I'm quite brave. So, so the, the fear, though, that other people experience, and I think a lot of it is also caught up with the the concerns about what people might think, which totally. though that doesn't seem to bother you. How How would you advise somebody to overcome that? I'm sure there's many more scientific things. I, I just say to my people, the thing with, we think we have to be confident to do things. We don't. We have to be courageous and brave. And once we've done them, we realise that nothing awful happens and we have evidence for next time. So I've got a ton of evidence of when me asking for things, turning up, just doing it has worked out. And so that's the story that I replay in my head if I'm nervous about something. Don't ever think that it's confident people aren't nervous. We're still terrified. We just choose not to let that stop us because we that's how we move forward. Yeah. I guess the difficulty is when people have feel like they don't have a choice or if there's too much of a risk there. If people are relying on them, for example, or I don't know, they have a mortgage or, you know, other commitments yeah and I don't mean you know like moving countries and things but you know most nothing is absolutely permanent other than death so we can get out of mortgages we can rent out our houses we can we can do all these things yes they'll be hard but we can do them if we want if we choose to yeah I mean that's if anyone's listening that's sort of sitting on the fence on something I hope that <laughs> that's a call to arms for sure You're listening to A Fine Balance with me, Dahlia Wittenberg. My guest this episode is career coach, mentor, and owner of The Grow Consultancy, Laurie McPherson. When Laurie featured on A Fine Balance, the blog, back in July 2021, she was the first woman to do so who was not a mother. Child-free, she corrected me from the outset, not childless. It's not just working parents that have to worry about their work-life balance, she told me. And I couldn't have agreed more which is why I felt so strongly about including the perspective that Laurie represents on my blog, not only to role model behaviour for other single, child-free people, but to provide insight for working parents too. I was keen to probe a bit deeper into the issue with her on my podcast and get an understanding of how being single and child-free has impacted Laurie's pursuit of balance throughout her working life. When we talked... For when I interviewed you for the blog, um, we touched on the impact that not having children and being single had on your ability to find balance between work and the rest of your life. Um, and I think it, it's beyond just the fact that you you can do what you want because you know there aren't people there demanding things of you in your home necessarily. Can you can you describe a bit what of your experience about this and and particularly how it's played out for you in the workplace? You described an example about working with colleagues that were parents that that had to leave at certain times and that had very firm boundaries on their work and and you didn't have those imposed on you yeah so sometimes people expect you to 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 to, to take up the slack and to always you know do the late shifts and do and, and that I always found very unfair if I'm honest because I, I know that it's that they can't whereas I just didn't want to but I didn't want to you know so I think it is just understanding that just because you don't have children, you do have other things you might want to be doing with your time. And I had to put really firm boundaries in place in retail. And I used to walk up the street. Uh, I laugh when I think about this now. I used to walk up Buchanan Street in Glasgow with a with a um, coat hanger with my outfit for the night out on it 
every time I got an early shift <laughs> to show that at five o'clock I'm leaving because I'm going out because I can't go out on my lates because I'm here. So I will be going out on my earlies. And some people find that really, really, you know, one, the fact that you had a social life generally, because some people just don't seem to need that, especially post-pandemic, but also um, just the fact that, yeah, I, I wanted to be doing other things that weren't work again. And again, when I worked in retail, I loved it. You know, I love my job, but I also loved spending time with my friends and having a social life. So I would be quite firm that at five o'clock, I'm kind of out here. Often when we talk about work-life balance, um, people automatically jump to working parents and the, the juggle of childcare and work but your perspective what I think was really useful to to have it kind of in the collection of stories if you like on the, on my blog was that actually work-life balance is something that applies to people with all kind of home life setups. Yeah and we talked about this before during the pandemic the narrative around people having to work with their kids at home, which must have been horrific, you know, was very, very loud. And there was very little out there that I could find about the opposite, about I have nothing else to do, so I'll just work all the time. But um, it is a thing, you know, and, and once I did dig into it a bit, I shared it with some folks. There was some 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 stories out there about how lots of um, single child-free women who live on their own especially at home working from home ended up just working all the time and how that's not great for us either have you have you ever experienced a kind of burnout as a result of doing that kind of thing I wouldn't say I probably didn't let it get as far as that um, I burnt out in a job job but that was just it was absolutely awful and I actually walked out of it with no job to go to and had six weeks back at my parents in my 30s to um to get myself back back to back to me really yeah, what happened there how come you hadn't been able to set the boundaries that you talk about it was expected and I was already cast out and ostracized for having some boundaries um and yeah I couldn't make it work with the amount of staff I had I just didn't have enough bodies so yeah um to do the job so I ended up working all the hours I, I remember vividly opening my shop putting my keys in the door with tears streaming down my face I would never ever let a situation get like that again but I because I hadn't experienced it I, I, I didn't know what I was looking for now mm. part of the reason that I am really really mindful and great with my boundaries is because I had that experience and I had you know I was depressed in the end no I didn't end up on on meds I chose to just kind of take myself out of the situation and, and get better but now I know what to do if I'm starting to feel a bit like hmm not feel I feel a little bit flat or a little bit low let's let's fix this right now so yeah. I have to protect myself um had a conversation with someone in the summer who was all um I was leaving a, a, a commitment that I'd made and I, I left it early because it wasn't working for me and they said you know I can't believe you're letting people down like this and um, you know when I think about it it's so funny I paid for this rather than the other way around um I can't believe it. it must be really bad. And I said, no, I, you know, I'm I'm absolutely fine. But it's my job to make sure I stay like that. So, so it's kind of a self-preservation. Yeah, totally. Approach. And that's my job. Yeah. It's not any, you know, there's there's no one coming to do that for me. Um, no, no. So we have to do it ourselves. Yeah, I think that's probably the same for everybody. Yeah, totally. But some people don't. If you haven't experienced it, you probably think, oh, you know, that, that mental ill health is something that happens to other people or other sorts of people. I certainly did. You know, as a cheery person, it was very, very bizarre to suddenly realise I, I am depressed. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think what could be helpful to people listening, like in terms of spotting those early signs that things aren't quite right. 
because you also talked about in your in your blog about finding happiness in your job so like what what are those kind of telltale signs that you could be heading towards a bad kind of burnout type situation do you know I knew that in the first week I went to a store and the manager had come in on her morning off to bring in the delivery and <clears throat> excuse me I thought hmm and it wasn't the Christmas delivery or a big delivery deli. It was a random middle of October delivery because there wasn't enough staff. And so she was in and I thought, mm, I would never be able to come in the morning after my day off, to, the morning of my day off because I've always gone out the night before. So I would never be getting up at five o'clock to do that and realise really quickly that was expected. So if you see signs that something, you know, it's a, a culture of presenteeism, it's a culture where people are expected to work over their, their hours and over what they're paid for by a lot recognize that early on and and either call it out or you know think about getting out or be prepared to establish your boundaries and be the odd one out which you know was it's hard um yeah. it wasn't a, a nice place for me to be they, they were all happy as Larry with it all you know they they thought it was great I just I was like mm -mm, no absolutely not I, I have I, I would need to be finishing at a, a normal time so that I can do other other things um yeah. so yeah I I think just when you start to think I'm not you know it's asking yourself and I'm in a, a great coaching group just now um and she asks us you know are you can you look in the mirror and say am I happy and if you're not absolutely it's your job to change it that's a really important point about culture actually and, and whether you see yourself belonging or identifying yourself in that place yeah and I just um, didn't and I didn't from the start yeah. to be completely honest um yeah yeah and it kind of comes back to what you said at the very beginning of our discussion around like knowing what you want to get out of either your career or your year or you know just being deliberate and thinking actually is this worth it is this what I really want and then I guess if you can identify what you really want then then you're in a better place to do what suits you <laughs> and to make that choice yeah, absolutely. Um, and I knew that I wanted a, a work-life balance, you know. Yeah. Which is not always it's... easy in retail. <laughs> no, no, I can imagine. Yeah, and there are quite a few, um, a few industries. I think it must be really hard to sort of to draw those lines. Um, I wonder how much an attitude to risk has in being able to manage that, kind of finding the balance within those kind of difficult scenarios well I think for anyone leaving a job without having a job to go to they'd have to be in a pretty desperate situation to do that anyway so that probably isn't a, you know a classic example of being a risk taker but do you think somebody that likes to play it safe or that's you know that has that kind of fear or lack of confidence would find it harder to find a balance oh god yeah and you, you they, they wouldn't have walked you know as well they would have stayed and tried to make it work which I did for six months but it was not getting any better and it wasn't going to get any better so for me and I never say you know it works as I say it worked really well for lots of folk but it just didn't work for me so I think um yeah I, it was it was about that it was about self-preservation but yeah if you were scared of the, the if you were scared of jumping I'm seeing it a lot right now people are scared of taking any job in case it's not the right thing so they don't take anything and they stay stuck in that sort of loop of analysis paralysis what if it's not perfect you know but actually just jumping into something um you can then move from there yeah I love that 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 phrase analysis paralysis. I've never heard that before. Yeah, like oh, I'll just I'll just write hundreds of lists and weigh up loads of options <laughs> and not actually do anything. You know, right? Um, yeah, it, it's more common in blue types who are detail focused anyway. 
Yeah. Um, if you look at the color wheel, and it's more common in certain sort of types of folk on the spectrum. I am a classic sort of rebel personality type. Um, yeah. If you use Gretchen Rubin's four personalities, I'm a rebel. Um, and yeah, um, a, a woman I know through business, Kat Patterson, has her, she has U prints, she has a quiz and cards. I always come out as a, as a rebel. So, um, you know, if things aren't right, I, I will jump, but some people will not because they're scared. They don't get anything else. But actually, the more you stay, it sucks the life out of you. Yeah. But you did talk about happiness in, in a job, though. And and in a way, that's a that's putting a huge amount of expectation. Um, and I don't know if it's pressure necessarily about loving your job. Is it is it enough to not love your job and still feel a balance in your life or? Would you not advocate doing that? So, yeah, I have this conversation with my clients an awful lot, Dahlia. So sometimes I say, you know, they'll say, I really want to help people is the usual woman thing. So we'll say, yeah, OK, fantastic. You know, there's hundreds of jobs out there for support workers. You get paid £9 an hour. Oh, I don't want to help them that much. Yep, fine. <laughs> Neither would I. Um, so it's that it's that thing you say, right, OK, so could you, this desire to help people, could you do that some of the time? Like, you know, so, for example, one of my women was um, was talking about, oh, I want to work for charities. And I get as many people wanting out of charity as I get wanting in because of things within the sector. Um, so I often say, you know, would it, how would it be if you actually did another job that paid really, really well and you could donate to that charity a hefty sum? Would that tick that box or fill that bucket or whatever you want to say? Would that be enough? Could you volunteer for them? You know, could you do it one day a week? Do you have to do it all the time? And I always say to them, I'm caveating this, telling you I absolutely love what I do. And I'm sort of saying you don't need to, and I'm not. But I'm just saying that the expectation of loving our job is one quite recent. You know, our, our grandparents didn't give monkeys about loving their job. They just thought we need to get on with it. Um, and it, yeah, it can be a big expectation. I've got friends who don't absolutely skip out of bed in the morning, but they earn good money and they're good at it. So they do it, you know, and it, I think it depends the sort of person, I, I don't know, the sort of person you are, whether you want to, whether you have to love your job or whether you want to, you know, or whether you're happy enough and, and you can do other things that tick the boxes, the kind of looking at life as a big, as a big cake or a pie and you you know works one chunk of it and if your other stuff's really good does that over does that compensate enough but I also do think that work because we do it so much can seep out into other things and can really make us generally quite miserable like in the case of that job I ended up with terrible skin problems which I still have and um, depressed and you know there was no way that no matter what other joyful things I was doing and by the way I wasn't doing anything because I was shattered and depressed would have made up for that yeah again I think it's it's sort of the uh, personal balance that you have to strike really isn't it I guess between making ends meet and finding a job that you can do and that that brings you in enough of an income to sustain your lifestyle but also finding that joy absolutely yeah you talked a lot about women and like female attitudes and I think when I interviewed you initially we we came you you mentioned like women haters and that sometimes women were kind of like their own worst enemies have you have you continued to to spot that as you've gone on in your career has it changed as you've got older at all I think we can still be our own worst enemy and yeah women do throw a lot of mud at other women I, I, what was the latest thing that was 
a woman got slated for that. Oh, yeah, the, the Molly May thing, you know, where she said something, yes, tone deaf, but men have said worse and got, got away with it. As women, it's just because we're not supposed to have ambition or want to earn a lot of money. I, every single day, Dahlia, I hear my women on, on calls say to me, I, 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 oh, it's, I don't, I'm not worried about the money or I don't need to earn earn a lot or, or you know, things like that. And, and we are our own worst enemy and not asking for, for, for more money because nothing bad happens when women have money. Um, but yeah, it's this whole, it's this whole, <laughs> I'm, I'm really nervous. You know, that's, I've just been having this conversation with someone today. That sounds too much. No, ask for it. They've got plenty of money, you know. Um, yeah. And it's it, my favourite saying that I, I constantly message and, and voice note clients and pals is, "Don't undercharge." You know, <laughs> I think we are our own worst enemy. We do we play so small and we don't step out and say, "I'm great at this." We find that really, really difficult. Um, yeah, and I think we we can throw mud at, at other women. It, it's a woman's a, a woman's place is in the wrong, you know, and we talked about it a bit with the whole sort of being child free and having the, the, the feed some feedback around that. And you're always wrong. And I know that parents get it constantly. You're always doing the wrong thing, you know, so a woman's place is kind of usually in the wrong. So it's just about ignoring all that. And just as long as you do what suits you, then at least someone's happy. <laughs> do you think men colleagues in, in the workplace are easier to deal with then than women? No, I don't. I, I absolutely love and I'm a huge advocate. I just mean women can sling, can judge other women harshly. We, we hold women to higher account. Yeah. We expect more of them in all, in all things. I'm really curious to hear your take on um, sort of advising people that are earlier in the stage of their careers um, on how to set those early boundaries in particular, I'm thinking about an interview I did with um, a guy called Tamid who experienced burnout in the early stage of his career. He fell into that trap that you described of putting, of filling work, filling that whole time with work and the pressure on graduates and, and people that are like, you know, young professionals starting out to do that. What, what advice would you give to people that are at the beginning of their career journey? I mean, I think that as a little bit of you have to kind of earn your your place a little bit darling and I do think you do have to kind of give it give more when you start out unfortunately just so that people know what you can do but I do think there's also something to be said for going home on time you know making making a show of you know I'm all taking taking your gym bag to work. I'm off. To, I'm I'm away to the gym now, so that's you know an important thing. Or taking your yoga mat in with you, or because that's what I'm doing after work to start to have those. It, it's it's kind of training, and it sounds strange, but sort of training the people you work with and people around you that I have other things going on in my life. So, and eventually it, it becomes a non conversation. It became a non conversation for that that people knew I was going out on a on a Friday or we were going to have a couple of wines on a Friday. You know, it becomes that you don't have to keep saying it because they they know it now. But initially, I think it is maybe just you do have to do the work to to earn your place, but but also taking making it clear that you do other things outside of work yeah I suppose yeah once you've proven your productivity like you're yes. delivering on your job um actually working those extra hours if that doesn't yield any better results then you know what value does it have anyway 
Exactly, none, and it's just presenteeism. So, yeah, take your yoga mat and, you know, ha you know, you know what it's like when you go to work in an office. Oh, you look nice. You, oh, I'm going out later. You know, oh, I like your dress. You know, you have that conversation. Oh, your dress is nice. Oh, thanks. I'm going out later. You know, just having those conversations and being brave enough to, to sort of say, hi, I am a human being and have a life outside of work, <laughs> um, which we yeah. sometimes sort of shy away a little. But, you know, obviously... Yeah. In my last workplace, I was there for three and a half years. I knew my colleagues and what they would be up to pretty well, but they also knew that they could expect that I would probably be Thursday nights. I often did go out with the girls, you know, so I probably would come in with a dress on or whatever that was a little bit smarter than usual or, you know, just yeah, just kind of, it's kind of drip, drip, dripping that sort of um like, like broken record thing where you keep you have to keep saying it in the beginning and then you don't have to keep yeah. saying it anymore and if you know you keep establishing it it's 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 on us to sort of yeah it's really important to me that it's on us to help the next lot of people coming up behind us to see that yeah. this is possible yeah that's really helpful and i i think i think that you know kind of drawing that bridge between the working parents and the non and the working non-parents in an organization it sort of matters as well, like kind of you kind of banging that drum of just saying, you know, my time still matters and recognising that your colleague might have to leave at a certain time to pick up their child is just as important for you leaving to go and do your yoga class. You know, kind of putting it on a level where there's a mutual understanding that that can only kind of help to kind of get rid of some of that resentment or judgment that you mentioned that can occur between women. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I've definitely been guilty of not being massively, <laughs> massively patient with mothers working for me in the past. I would definitely be more patient now, but I also expect it back. You know, that yeah. my time is also really precious. I was always fully, you know, I would take my time back when I worked in retail and say I was at a conference, so I'm going to finish early today. But I also made sure that my staff did as well. And some of them, for some of them, that was a little bit radical. Yeah. You know? I think it also points to the guilt that you mentioned as well. I think, you know, people feel guilty or apologetic to, you know, to be able to leave or to make up that time. But actually, your view is this, no, you know, you take a stand, whether it's in order to look after your child or to look after yourself. Yeah, that's still that's OK. It's valid. And I think it's that, you know, you see people who are leaving, you know, sort of creeping out the door, <laughs> you know walking backwards almost so that nobody yeah. sees them leaving at their actual time that they're paid for no it's okay to do that you know um this is what you're actually contracted to do so um yeah and I was lucky the last place I worked was very much like get get finished no one you know one stayed behind you know and my boss had negotiated some early finishes for childcare, so she was like get get out of here you know um, and we all left on time there was no sort of presenteeism expected and took lunch as well and went away from the desk and went out and we worked in town so you could go and have a lunch out or go and shop or something it wasn't expected but certainly before especially in retail having a lunch was a bit of a luxury and I always just thought it was complete nonsense. So you think leadership then has a huge part to play in, in helping people find balance and, and stay employed at the same time? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And it is, you know, it, it, it is, they do set the pace and they can make some conscious choices that they will encourage their staff to, to do things outside of work or, or not. We're almost out of time and I just want to spend the last little bit um, just reflecting on how it feels, how it has felt for you to be reflecting on your work life work to life ratio and understanding the reasons behind it clearly it's something you've given a lot of thought to um, and also 
what your ideal work to life ratio would be or if it would at all be different to the 60 40 that you that you first suggested yeah I mean it's it is interesting and I could be a bit better at not answering you know messages in the evening and whatnot but I also you know sometimes I think well why not but um it could go to 70 30 I'm actually taking three weeks off in the summer I've got an apartment booked and I will work from there while I'm away a bit you know I might, I'll do my social media and I might if someone asks me to do something I'll do it because I'll get paid for it basically which will help me to pay for the holiday but um yeah I I think I, I'm it's a work in progress for everyone but you know as I say next week I've got Thursday afternoon blocked off quite often I'll block a, a few weeks ago I went for a lovely lunch with a business buddy on Friday and we we met at one o'clock so you know I am getting better at taking the time for myself if I want to go and see my parents quite often I do that a day through the week because I've usually got social stuff at the weekend so um it means I can go and see them in the week so yeah I think I would love it to be 80 20 but um probably getting closer to 70 30 would be the first kind of goal and yeah. taking proper holidays yeah because again Covid really you know I love my whole it's Covid really scuppered that but I did get two holidays yeah. last year but I just took two short ones this year I'm taking a longer holiday and I did yeah. go abroad, which I also feel very passionate about. Um, all those folk who sat and read and did their Duolingo practice during the pandemic, and then <laughs> and then won't go on holiday because they're too scared. What's that all about? So um, <laughs> I believe it if you can at the moment, you should to keep the industry yeah. going for those those who can't right now. Yeah, I just thought I have one more final question. It's kind of tangential, really, but you've mentioned your mum a couple of times, and she sounds like a a bit of a powerhouse herself, um, and. Um, I'm I'm intrigued about the the generational difference that you might that you that you've noticed because you say like she sounds like a very strong woman and and certainly from what you described to me she certainly is really headstrong and that kind of you know you were inspired by that growing up. Do you think this generation faces um, kind of more options than your mum's generation did in terms of breaking free of expectations and doing what suits them? Oh, definitely. Absolutely. You know, and, and she'll absolutely say that. She so thinks it's great that we have the choices that we have. It it wasn't, she said to, I think, I don't even know if she bothered to say to her mum, she'd like to have been a teacher, but people like them didn't do things like that. So, you know, that was the end of the story, basically. Um, the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't allowed to happen whereas we have all these choices you know with all the choices again you can get analysis paralysis and you can think I don't know which choice to choose um but yeah she's 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 quite she said herself I'm so envious that you've been able to sort of um do what suits you at an earlier age than I than I ever was you know yeah. because they did have all this expectation you know the neighbors would talk about you if your windows weren't or your um your your whites weren't white you know um whereas now yeah. no one cares um my dad said to me when I moved in oh your path's quite quite dark I'll, I'll need to get the bleach <laughs> on it and I said honestly if that's the worst thing anyone can find to say about me then they can crack on um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think yeah. your your point about class is also really interesting and I, I came across this when I interviewed a lady called Susan um for my blog she she talked about social mobility and her sense of inferiority having come from a um a working class background and trying to rise the ranks in her organization and she hadn't been to university I think that was the sticking point for her was yeah she felt inferior to her colleagues who all had degrees um even though she was just as capable and you know she was able to do the job you know is there is there any sort of view you have on on kind of how you can manage that in order to 
find your balance and not kind of drive yourself you know off balance worrying about those things or being preoccupied with with those kind of inferiority feelings oh yeah and I get it a lot from from my oh but I haven't got a degree and, and I'm like that you know generally and sometimes they do say degree or relevant experience but that's a bit you know you can you can shoehorn yourself into that quite easily yeah I think it's it, I think just knowing that it's a thing knowing that it's out there you know that we are working class women it's the whole you can't be what you can't see so if we're not seeing other working class women or women who sound like us women who look like us up ahead of us you know, know that it's going to be harder and, and people who are have had the private education or whatever do have a, a certain um do have a certain advantage sometimes, you know. So knowing that that is a is a thing and that you you don't but you what you have to offer is special and actually what an employer wants to know is what you can do for them. They're not actually bothered about your degree. Yes, if you're going for a graduate job, but as a grown adult you know, they don't actually usually really care. They just want you to do what they need done. So um, it's knowing that it is a bias and it is, a, it is an actual, the whole the whole imposter syndrome thing, it's, it's not a scientific thing. It's because we don't see people like us up ahead of us. So it's hard to envisage that that's our place in the world. I, I feel it a lot. I felt it booking a three-week holiday. You know, people like me don't book a three-week holiday. But when I come back, um. I will, people like me will have done that because I've done it. You know, well, what so, do you mean? What do you mean people like you, though? I mean, you know, working class people don't have long <laughs> workations. You know, that's for other people. And um, that's just, you know, that's the way you see it. We we don't, you know, we do this, we don't do that. And, and it's people like me don't do things like I do. But I do do them. Yeah. So it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's banging that drum again, isn't it? Just kind of advocating for those voices to be heard. Yeah. And, I think that's what you do so well and I think it's important for people to to hear you know to get that 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 push to be confident and to you know push that button yes absolutely press that but do, I say to them all the time do it do it do it do it in the group you yeah. know and they're laughing at me because lots of them aren't even from this and they're like what sorry but they're getting it now I'm you know like do it do it do it do it do it you know and I say to them all the time you know my my challenge for you or you know why don't you phone up and ask and it's like oh I can see the face on zoom going ah. like you know do it do it do it do it and do it and come back and tell us what happened you know so yeah, yeah I love that and I love having the the the, the room there that are I just I absolutely love that there's nothing better than watching a group of women growing confidence in front of your very eyes you know that's that's yeah. what that's what gets me out of bed in the morning amazing well I think that's a perfect note to to wrap up Laurie that is just really really um just so encouraging and thank you so much for just taking the time to share your story share your insight and um and yeah and just to bang that drum thank you thank you so much for having me This has been a Fine Balance, the podcast that explores work-life balance choices one story at a time with me, Dahlia Wittenberg. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe for future episodes on your usual podcast provider. Apparently, it helps let others know about us too. You can find the link to Laurie's work-life balance profile and those of the other people I've interviewed on my blog, A Fine Balance, in the show notes or go to www.a-fine-balance.com. For updates, you can follow at a fine balance underscore blog on Facebook or Instagram. Until next time, goodbye.